Our episodes contain graphic information that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Would you like some murder with your coffee? Welcome to Morning Murders. I'm Nicole. I'm Amanda. And I'm Brenna. We're just three guys that like to sit around and drink coffee while talking about true crime. Oh yeah, that true crime. Mm-hmm. I do love me a good true crime. And murder. Mm-hmm. There better be some murder. 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 Um, it's been so fun uh, doing all these fun episodes with you guys. I'm having a really good time. And we have yeah. really fun audience members that talk to us when we're out and about in the world and tell us how they listened to a crime and cried and... Yeah, or found a sticker of ours that we put up somewhere. Oh, yes. Stickers. Look out for our stickers. Yes, look out for them. They're coming at you. Look out for stickers. Anywhere stickers are stuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, well, I'm excited because today's a buen episode. It's a buen episode. It's extra special too, right, Brenna? Yes, because we got it. Uh, it was a recommendation from our new friend, Matt. Matt! Hey, thanks, Matt. Matt. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. So, um, I guess it's this time to just get started. It's time to get to, get to the murdering, right, guys? Yes. All right. Awesome. Let's get to the murdering. So, have you ladies heard of Gordon Jensen? I mean, sorry, uh, Jerry Mockerman? Sorry, oh fuck, I'm sorry. Larry Vanner. Mm, I mean, Curtis Kimball. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. I meant uh, Robert Evans. Okay, sorry. My bad. I meant Terry Rasmussen. Because today, we are talking about the chameleon killer. you could see that delivery that was good it was, was like good. oh scandal one minute in yes <laughs> what's his name Ooh. uh yeah so or do any of those names sound familiar at least the chameleon killer. I, I feel like the last one does but i feel like i'm thinking of susan rasmussen like there's someone else with that last name mm. so i'm Oversaturated and mixing them up. I'm thinking about Rasputin. (laughs) Oh, right. (laughs) Who could probably still be alive. Anastasia. Dasvidanya. I was about to sing Matchmaker, and that's the wrong musical. Um, Anyway. Yes, correct. (laughs) That is very wrong one. That is the wrong one. Annie Hoosel, Terry Peter Rasmussen, was born in Colorado during December of 1943. He grew up in Arizona, where he dropped out of high school his sophomore year and enlisted in the U.S. Navy the following. He served for about six years, and after being discharged, he moved to Hawaii and married his first wife in 1969. Summer of love. Nice. (laughs) Now, there isn't a lot of information about this woman out there. In most of my research, she was listed as unidentified, or her name was completely omitted, which I don't blame her, and I'm glad her anonymity was retained because holy shit. Mm. They had four children and moved around the West Coast for a while while he worked as an electrician, landing back in Arizona in 1973. By 1975, he was arrested for aggravated assault, which led to his wife taking the kids and leaving. Mm. 
Mm. Smart lady. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So around December of 1975 or 76, literally in the timeline, it says it's either it's either or. Um, he randomly showed up at her house in Arizona with another unidentified woman telling his family that he's living in Texas now, and they never saw him again after that. What? Oh. Yeah. So the, his original family never saw him again after 1976 or 75, um, but their divorce, however, wasn't even finalized until September of 1978. Speaking of never seeing someone again, around Thanksgiving of 1978 in La Puente, California, a recently divorced Marlise Elizabeth Honeychurch... Uh, Honey Church. Honey Church. Honey Church. Uh, a 24-year-old mother of six-year-old Marie Vaughn and two-year-old Sarah McWaters had an argument with her family about how the new boyfriend she brought to dinner was too old for her. That boyfriend's name? Terry Rasmussen. It was so bad it caused her to take her two kids and storm out with him, never to be seen or heard from again. Just oh, because no. he was older than her? Yes. So that was the or fight. Were there other red flags that were just not? It was the first time they were meeting him, like oh. on Thanksgiving. So she was oh. like, "This is my boyfriend," and they were like, "He's much older mm. than you," because she was twenty-four, and at that point, um, let's see, he was he was like already he had already had four kids and like been married oh, okay, before. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So he's just the age difference was big, you know, and she was only twenty-four. So. Um, in 1979, in Manchester, New Hampshire, there was a new head electrician in town, and his name? Robert Bob Evans. Oh, and you must meet his lovely wife, Elizabeth Evans. She and their two daughters are lovely. Hmm. There isn't a lot of record about them around this time other than Elizabeth signing for a certified letter delivered to their house in January of 1980, and Elizabeth being listed as Bob's spouse two out of the three times he was arrested while living there in New Hampshire. The first time was in February of 1980 for writing a bad check. The second was in May of the same year for stealing electricity. And the third was in October of the same damn year for diverting electricity. So he's like, it's it's essentially like oh. stealing it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this time with no spouse listed, no Elizabeth. Uh-oh. We actually aren't going to hear much about Elizabeth for a while. No. But why? Oh, no. Because on Thanksgiving in 1981, Bob was busy meeting the family of his new girlfriend, Denise Bodan, and oh, her no. six-year-old daughter. Wait, that's just what you do? It's just Thanksgiving? Yeah. It's oh, the holiday. New Thanksgiving. New year. New I'm family. I'm thankful for meeting new family. Right? <laughs> Every yeah. year. Every year, pretty much. So, um... So, yeah, he had his new girlfriend, Denise Bodan, and her six-month-old daughter, Dawn. But by December 1st, the three of them would leave New Hampshire, and her family never saw them again either. No. Did they yeah. file missing persons reports? Not originally. They did. Mm. They mainly, like, just were like, it's the 80s. Like, bye, no. I guess, you know. Um, mm. And they also moved. Like, they, like, were like, okay, we're moving uh, to the presumably back west mm -hmm. um so the family's like okay we'll hear from you and then you just never really hear from those people again Aww. um so speaking of disappearing it was super easy to disappear back then um so without cell phones social media and cctv you can't really find like track people the same way mm -hmm. so back then you could just fall off the face of the planet for a few years simply by just leaving town you yeah. can go anywhere if you don't have a phone number like you can be anybody what a what an interesting freedom to have back then that we don't have anymore. Oh my yeah. god, right? Like we any sort of show that I watch that has to do with true crime like that chapter or something with that Mike guy, he literally just shows like CCTV of like people buying the murder weapons or mm -hmm. you know every gas station, every Walmart, every like Walmart's caught so many people <laughs> cuz idiots are buying, you know, 
Drano in 12 packs. Like, oh, you know, no. like, come on, guys. It's weird. Like, um, Drano. Drano. Drano, no, no. Throwback. <laughs> but, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's so interesting now that like they can track you cell phone towers they can ping you anywhere like you know whatever you have you have to like really s- separate your stuff out mm-hmm. like because people will be like you bought a knife six months ago and we have footage of it you know like you can't you know three years ago you bought this lime and like you know they can find all your purchases <laughs> not my lime not my lime what did you know i oh. did not put it in a coconut and let's tell you that much i'm so not liming about that yep. um <laughs> <laughs> So the next time we hear from Bob, it's May 1985, and his name isn't Bob, it's Curtis Kimball. Ooh. Curtis has been working in California for an electrical company for about a year before being arrested for a DUI while endangering the welfare of a child. Oh, (gasps) no. In the back seat, there was a five-year-old girl named Lisa, with finger quotes, that he claimed was his daughter, but there was no sign of her mother. So at this point... I was going to pull in a Nicole and tell you guys to grab your coffees and take a sip because here come the murders. Hey! But because of the lack mm. of solid information even to this day, it's more like, here come the unidentified bodies. Yeah. Yay! Yay. Oh, I still need coffee for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, while Curtis was living his best life in California, a hunter came upon a blue barrel in Bear Brook State Park in Allenstown, New Hampshire. Remember uh. New Hammy? This barrel contained the bodies of an adult female and a female child. The two died of blunt force trauma to their heads. There were no identifiable features or record of them anywhere in that county or anywhere near them back then, so the authorities were drawing a blank on who these bodies belonged to. There was no, like, they were in school or there were fingerprints. Like, they were just lady bodies that they didn't know what to do with. There's in a barrel? Yeah. Then a hunter came upon it. Yes. So, yeah, the barrel, the second barrel was found by, we'll go get into that. Okay, okay. Anyway. Jump in the gun. I'm excited. Jump in the gun. But, yeah, it was was just found by a hunter out there, and there was just a big industrial, like, blue barrel with the lid stuck on it. Okay. And they were just in there. Um, So, the the authorities were drawing a blank on who the bodies belonged to. Well, they they certainly didn't belong to Gordon Jensen from Santa Cruz County in California working at an RV park. Picture it. It's 1986. You just abandoned your five-year-old daughter, Lisa, in Scotts Valley, California, with a random couple that turned to the police because, what the hell, dude? But you have a new lease on life and probably an RV. Uh-oh, the authorities came to your RV park to pick you up for child abandonment. They just found out you were arrested as Curtis Kimball for a DUI the year before by pulling your fingerprints from your work. Ooh. Time to disappear uh, and hit the road until 1988. Oh, So in 1984. Six is when all this happened. He disappears for another two years. Whoa. Whoa. I literally had to follow, because this because back then they, there just wasn't, rec- if you didn't properly keep record yourself, there was just no record of you. I literally had to go through a timeline of just his public shit that he got into. Like, what's mm-hmm. just known in the public as far as, like, being arrested, uh, you know, being, like, any sort of public information, that's, like, the only thing you can really follow. Because he was, he changed his name so much that, like, no one could be like, oh, yeah, Terry. Because, like, who's Terry? Like, we don't know. Right. Like, Mm-mm. Wow. So, uh, he didn't go that far for that long because he was pulled over in November of 88 in San Luis Obispo, California, under the name Jerry Mockerman, driving a stolen vehicle from Idaho, but they let him go. What? 
<laughs> yeah, he just got arrested and then was like, whoops, this is bad. And they're like, okay, then get out of here, but you can't take the car. It was very weird. And then, uh, they, but they did finally arrest him for child abandonment in 1989, only to parole him in October 1990. Oh my God. Uh, he didn't show for his November parole hearing and thus disappeared for nine years. Nine what? years! Mm-hmm. December 1999, mm. Napster was released earlier that year, yes. Y2K was looming, mm. and Jay-Z had just stabbed a guy at a nightclub in New York, but it was the holidays. Yeah. The perfect time of year to introduce your friends and family to your new partner. Uh, and oh, that's just what 45-year-old no. chemist Unsoon June was set to do. No. At a holiday party, she brought her handyman boyfriend... Larry Vanner, to meet her loved ones. No. They were head over heels in love. What could go wrong? Famous last words. Well, in May of 2000, back in Bear Brook State Park, New Hampshire, a second barrel was found about 100 yards from the 1985 barrel containing two more bodies. Both young girls, aged one one to three and two to four, Again, the authorities were left without answers to who these little girls were. The search for information continued even in June of 2002 when Larry Banner and Eunsoon June stood across from each other in a small backyard wedding ceremony, locking it down and celebrating their love. Even though it's technically unofficial in the state of California because who the fuck is Larry Banner? (gasps) Oh my god, how did they even obtain a marriage license? I think he probably, he just like has it, yeah. So it's just, no matter... They and plus it was 2002. We probably would have done better at checking stuff back then. Nope. Uh. Nope. 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 So soon after this, it seemed like Unsoon fell off the face of the planet. Her friends reported her missing in Richmond later that same summer. Of course, during situations like this, where a wife disappears, the person closest to them is generally looked at first, which in most cases is the spouse. Mm-hmm. So in September of 2002, when the authorities brought Larry in for questioning, he made a grave mistake. He let them run his fingerprints. So when his fingerprints came back as Curtis Kimball, the authorities learn he is wanted for violating parole in Lisa's abandonment case from 1990. Yeah. So they arrest his ass. Then when the police search his home, Contra Costa County homicide detective Roxanne Grunheed was investigating the disappearance of June. She recalled the scene in Terry's garage. There was this mound of kitty litter but through the kitty litter there were electrical cords and wires there were power tools around and lighting hung up the thing that came out first was what appeared to be a mummified foot with a flip-flop on it no 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 that's how they found june's body no having died from blunt force trauma to the head roxanne says she will never forget this case or the chilling conversation she had with rasmussen who was being trialed as uh who's being tried at kimball at this point because there's just no they can't they don't even know that he's rasmussen yet. oh my god jeez. <clears throat> so she said um where are you from he stopped just stopped what he was saying and was sitting next to me and he leaned in closer to me like in my personal space in a threatening like a presence and he looks at me and he goes that's none of your goddamn business maybe not 
But what is our business's public record, like when Kimball pled guilty for Unsoon's murder in June of 2003 and got 15 years to life in prison, while they were at it, they figured they would get some more info, and in August of 2003, they tested his and Lisa's DNA only to discover that he was not her biological father. No. So because of this, they reopened Lisa's case to find out who she really was. So Lisa was like a right. huge like oh, key to all this stuff. So in the meantime, on December 28th of 2010, Terry Jerry Larry died while incarcerated at High Desert State Prison in California. His cause of death was a combination of lung cancer, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, and pneumonia. Haha, <laughs> cancer. Suck it. <laughs> now, Curtis Gordon Rob Bob may be out of the picture, but the trail of mystery and devastation was still there. And Lisa was the motherfucking key, baby! So, San Bernardino Detective Peter Headley got Lisa's case in 2013, which is dope because uh, genealogy website databases had grown since the case had started back in 1985. So, aided by genetic genealogist Barbara Ray Venter in 2015, Lisa, who was, what, in her 30s at this point, Mm. found out her real name was Dawn and discovered her mother's identity, Denise Bo Dan. Oh, man. Mm. And that the man she once thought had been her father was her kidnapper. Whoa. Yeah, so this linked him to New Hampshire, because that's where they were from. That was the last place Denise was seen with her boyfriend, Bob Evans, in the same time frame as the Bear Brooks murders. So by July 2016, the California San Bernardino County Sheriff's Office contacted New Hampshire authorities and worked together on this hunch to test the bodies of the victims found in the barrels in Bear Brook. With that test, they were able to discover that Bob Evans was the biological father of one of the little girls found in the second barrel in 2000. But this little girl had no blood relation to anyone found in her barrel or the first one found in 1985. With only his DNA matching and no other information, they could tie him in with her, but not with the others or how Bob could have been connected to the other bodies in the barrels. Mm. So with all of this, in January of 2017, uh, New Hampshire authorities held a news conference to publicly announce that Evans was a suspect in the disappearance of Denise Bodan and the Bearbrook murders. They also announced that DNA confirmed that he was the father of the middle child found in Allenstown, but that Evans, but that Evans was a pseudonym, and at this point, his legal identity was not known. So they were just like, this random dude, we don't know anything about this. Um, then... In June of 2017, police released a video of an interview of Evans in hopes that someone would recognize this dork and his true identity would be found. It wasn't until two months later that he was confirmed to be Rasmussen through Y-DNA testing from a DNA sample contributed by one of his children from what is believed to be his first marriage. Oh. Um, again, it looks like nobody in the first family wanted any sort of public recognition, and it looks like their privacy was understandably protected. Mm-hmm. But, like, how weird would it be to be like that might be my dad like you know you see the like Mm -hmm. an interview you haven't seen him since (sighs) you were a child in like 1975 or 76 and then suddenly you're like i know this man and you're in your like 40s or 50s at this point like yeah so somebody anonymously came forward from his first family and was like not son Um, So the use of genealogy to identify Rasmussen opened up a whole new uh, can of worms for investigators around the world. I don't know if I'm... Isn't that how they found the Golden State Killer? Was like a... Was like... 23 and me. Oh, okay. That's kind of cool. I didn't know about that. I knew knew that that had happened. I didn't know, like... I feel like that would have been bigger news even to be like, guys, 
we can literally find we have <laughs> we have the technology we have the technology <laughs> Um, so at this point, we knew his name was Terry Rasmussen. We know he killed Unsoon June. We know that he had to have done something awful to Denise Bodan and kidnapped her daughter Dawn. We know that he was the father of one of the children found in Bear Brook's barrels, but who was her mother? We don't know that. We don't know anything about this little girl's mother. And who in the wide, wild world of sports were the other three victims in those barrels? <laughs> Enter. The power of the podcast. <gasps> hey, podcast. That's us. We're we one. have a podcast. We're one of those. <clears throat> Jason Moon, a reporter with the New Hampshire Public Radio, launched a seven-episode podcast about the Bearbrook case in October of 2018. The podcast, which I will be linking in our show notes, was heard by amateur sleuth Rebecca Heath. At the same time Heath did a deep dive in online message boards of relatives looking for missing family members, good old Barbara Ray Venter from Don Bodine's case used a DNA profile provided by new technology, so they separately identify so they separately identify the woman and two of the girls found in the barrels in New Hampshire like at the same time. So oh. like they kind of worked together because there was the DNA profiling, and then Rebecca was able to kind of come in with like I found missing people reports, like these are the people that are missing. So they were able to like mm. put the two things together so the identities of the three victims were finally released in 2019 holy moly wow. when they were confirmed by dna profiling right because it's like they have their bodies but they need the dna to match it too yes. so until you have an idea of who they could possibly be exactly you have no idea what to match it to but it's great that they were like that the bodies and the samples were were saved correctly because sometimes <laughs> that's that's the sad thing right is they're yep. not because back then they didn't have the knowledge to know what was going to come right so they didn't yeah. save everything properly so it's great that that was something that went well <laughs> oh, able yeah, to figure yeah. it out later the cold cases that i remember any sort of cold case show that's always the case mm -hmm. is that there's just some buffoonery with how things are kept or things get damaged or mm -hmm. evidence gets damaged when they find it like yeah because they're just like what the hell is this oh my god a body like you know you just your brain doesn't go like don't touch anything and all right that stuff. yeah so it's it's good that they were able to um use new technology to figure this out in 2019 that like just happened so yeah. the identities of the three victims released in 2019. Uh, the first barrel found in 1985 had the bodies of Marlise Elizabeth Honeychurch and her daughter Marie Vaughn. The second in 2000 had the body of her other daughter Sarah McWaters. But what of the other little girl? Who was her mother? Did he kill her too? And what happened to Denise Bodan? These are questions still unanswered to this day. Mm. Criminologist Jack Levin, 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 who specializes in research on murder, prejudice, and hate, sociology of aging, and sociology of conflict at Northeastern University in Boston, Massachusetts, once said, What distinguishes Rasmussen from most serial killers is that he targeted people with whom he had a relationship. Most serial killers would never do that. It's the last thing they would do. Instead, they focus on complete strangers. Yeah. It's yeah. important to note that he has interviewed and corresponded with brutal killers such as the Hillside Strangler, Charles Manson, and other violent criminals. Um, I had that thought, too, where I was like, oh, yeah, I guess, like, we think about family annihilators and stuff, but that's not a serial killer. No. That's, no. like, a, that's a different, totally different thing. Yeah, serial killers, three or more. Right. Separate people. Yes. Separate, separate situations. Occasions. Yeah. yeah. So it's so crazy that each one of these was the holidays. And it was always, like, a partner of his. Yeah, obviously there's some major trigger there. I was, like, that was literally the next word out of my mouth is, yeah. like, what happened to him around a holiday time? Although, in general, emotions are high during the holidays. And if mm -hmm. you're missing someone, it can be 
twice as much. Right. Mm. So, I mean, that's probably a reason why people would date him around the holidays. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He like, he would if look he... out for lonely people. Yeah. I mean, Ooh. you know what I'm saying? Because, yeah. like, it's all, like, uh, Marlise was, like, just divorced. I, and the other ones, like, they, there really wasn't history on these people because we just didn't keep the tape. There was no, we weren't taking pictures of our, you know, food and sending it, like, and talking about our feelings all the time back then. <laughs> yeah. We just, we just lived our lives and then, you know, had criminal reports to find out where we were. Like, <laughs> there yeah. just wasn't the same type of, like, logging of our lives. Yeah, it is interesting that he, it, the, what they pointed out about him targeting people he's in a relationship with. Because there is always, like, a weird pattern, right, with serial killers. Like, Ted Bundy, to throw back to that, he, the w- ladies he went after looked like the girl who broke his heart, right? right. Mm-hmm. So, like, but he was never in a relationship with these women. He hit on them or whatever he did to get to them. But this guy over here took it to the next level and, yeah. like, was in a relationship with Got these people. close, married to these That's people. a new level of monster. Right. Yeah. And do they all have kids? No, or the last Un- one did. Unsun did not. Okay, but okay. Denise did, and clearly he had a child with yeah. another person at some point in between the Elizabeth stuff, and even though Elizabeth is uh, Marlise, so it's just like, mm. ugh, yeah. So it's like it's just so interesting. Like what what happened with that? Where did this other child come from? So there we have it. We did it. The chameleon killer, yeah. Most of the research I did on him was through his public records in timeline format because he jumped around and changed his name so much that his criminal record was the only way for folks to keep track of it all. Plus, it was during a time where we didn't have phones or social media, so it was easy to disappear. No pinging off cell phone towers, no random CCTV footage at a gas station. Or now the other big thing is everyone has ring cameras now. Right, So you may commit a crime in a neighborhood and someone else will have footage of your car. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not that hard to do now. There's a really huge possibility that these may not be all of Terry's victims. Mm. So if you, listener, have any information about these missing cases or others, please call the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children at 1-800-THE-LOST. That's 1-800-843-5678. Or visit its website at www.missingkids.org. They make it easy. Missingkids.org. And for any tips concerning Terry Rasmussen and any unknown victims, please, please, please contact Deputy Peter Headley with San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department at pheadley at sbcsd.org or the New Hampshire State Police Cold Case Unit, which is a cold case unit at dos.nh.gov or... Uh, you can call them at 603-223-3648. Um, I will obviously have all this information in the notes. But with that... Ladies, what are your final sips? I'm still thinking about my final sip, but I wanted to say something about the um, the missing exploited children. Uh, I'm going to do a little thing about it because in my true crime calendar, the creator of that popped up. So I have a bookmark to, to talk about more about that nice. organization because it's really amazing how it kind of came together. So that's something I was literally just thinking about as now I think of my final sip. <laughs> my final sip is you can date whoever you want at any age that you want. And that's okay. Just don't murder people. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't murder people. Yeah, it's okay for there to be an age difference, man. Love knows no age within legal limits. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> legal limits, please. Uh, but, like, you know, you don't have to murder people. You don't have to do that. You can be old and date someone a little younger or whatever, but don't kill people. 
Mine is, it's like, I want to say thank you technology so that we can track these things and find people. But at the same time, I'm like, go away technology. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, a while ago I was forced to get rid of my Facebook and it's mm -hmm. kind of been the greatest thing ever. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, oh, well, thanks for hacking me, dude. Cause uh, it's very freeing. But at the same time we need it. I don't know. I'm torn is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> no, I know what you, I know what you mean because it's In this definitely... case we could have found him a little bit easier. He wouldn't have gotten right. away with what he did for such a long time had we been able to track him a little better than him just being like, oh, I don't have a phone and I moved across state lines. Right. Bang. Bang. Yeah, that's, I think it's funny because I feel Murder like, over here. Murder, murder over there. there. Murder across the country. Murder everywhere. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like, um, I do feel like he, there's something about that where it's like the technology is great for helping. Um, it's the fact that we have to be, it's like interchanged. It's sold to us in a way that we not only can we be found in any moment for any emergency reason, but also we have to quote unquote have to be available all the time. And I think that's when it gets like frustrating is like if we were able to be like, we have all this great technology and not pair it with marketing, 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 mm -hmm. sell something, always yeah. be on. And you, I need to know what you're doing it every minute. And like, now that you have Why a phone you in your hand. text me back right now? Yeah, I know yeah. you're holding your phone. Yeah, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff where it's like, ugh, it's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a blessing and a curse, all the mm. new technology in, in helping things and also hurting things because there are other cases where technology has made it look one way when it really totally. wasn't, you know, so it's it's a balance mm. of both, both ways. Mm -hmm. I think it's that... Um, we have to remember that this stuff is a tool. Yeah. It's not our lives. So I think that just makes it way easier. Like these things are tools. They are things that we hold and then I turn them off because they're programmed to do certain things on purpose. Like mm -hmm. YouTube can play closed, but they want you to pay for it to do that. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. you know, so they do that on purpose. It's not like they can't program it to play while it's not like, while it's not on my screen right now. It's like, no, they can. They just want you to pay for it. So we just have to remember that like things are programmed that reason. And also what people bring to their, you know, Instagrams and Facebooks aren't always true, mm -hmm. you know? So you might think that their lives are one way or their relationship with someone is one way, but it's a facade and it's not real and it's the, maybe the opposite. So it's, you can't base any truth on any of that. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah. Cause mm -hmm. it's completely manufactured. You're in control, which mm -hmm. I think we need to remember, like you're in control. You're in control of what you see and what you put out there. So if you don't like something, you don't have to rage against somebody. You can just take them off your feet. Like yeah. it's, you're in control of what you see. You yeah. don't follow people every day. It's fine. Um, but my final sip is, um, acknowledge red flags each of these women had that had left their families all had reports of progressively removing themselves from their loved ones before finally completely disappearing if your partner of any and all genders is isolating you from your people or trying to convince you that you should only spend time with them that is a red flag i don't care how good they are at eating you out or blowing you get the fuck out <laughs> of there yeah like, yeah. no sex is worth it. Get the fuck out of there. Mm -hmm. It isn't wise to throw your cultivated relationships away for a shiny new one. No, because those are signs that sometimes people don't think too much about or they get mad. Like, your family member, they're starting to disappear on you and you're like, whatever, you got this new boyfriend, cool. But it could also be a red flag. So those are things to, yeah. to don't just get mad. Yeah, like, extra reach out to that person. Yeah, because yeah, I get it. You know, shiny new relationships are fun and it's fun to be treated different and special and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, remember the person you are. Like, don't lose yourself in the process. You yeah. you are you first and then your, your relationships are on top of that. Like, yeah. 
Gaslighting um, is a very real thing, and it is scary, and it can take over people's lives. Totally. Um, oh, before we go today, though, I did want to say, again, a big old thank you to Matt, Matt for telling me about Matt, this. Matt. Thank you, Matt, for telling us about this case via email. Uh, you rock, and keep away from those Indian Springs hitchhikers. Yeah. We'll have a conversation about that. Yeah. <laughs> also, send us your hitchhiking send stories. Send us your hitchhiking stories. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely send us your hitchhiking stories. And um, send us all the stories. I'm, all of them. I was, it was really fun going back and forth with Matt a little bit just about, like, you know, he was like, have you heard of this person? I'm like, oh, no, but now I have. So if you have fun recommendations yeah. for any true crime stuff or anything you want us to take a deep dive look on that you're like, I've heard there's this one thing and I never, like, mm-hmm. Let us know. Email us. Email us uh, and message us on our Instagram page. Oh, yeah. yeah. Whatever. We have a TikTok. We have a TikTok now. We do. Yeah, we have a TikTok. We have an Instagram page. We have all sorts of cool stuff. So find us on morningmurders.com. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on another Monday. This has been Morning Murders. More coffee. Coffee, 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 coffee. Have a murder you like to talk about over coffee? We would love to hear about it. Email us at morningmurders at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Morning Murders. In today's show notes, you can find our cited research as well as a few of our favorite mental health resources. I'm what also going to take honey, some more drink, coffee. What are you drinking today? I am drinking a hot Oat milk kicker from Dutch Brothers. Not a sponsor. Definitely not a sponsor. <laughs> Should be a sponsor. I got a I got a iced caramelizer. I've never mm. had a caramelizer. Is it very delicious? Yeah, it's really it's kind of ch- like chocolate milk. Ooh, Ooh, yeah. But like a little bit of caramel. Mm. I just I'll have sh- the iced version of Nicole's drink. Mm. <laughs> Thanks, Dutch Brothers. Thanks, Dutch Brothers. <laughs> Please sponsor us. <laughs> Thank you for expanding everywhere so that I can stand at one and throw a rock at another. Yeah. <laughs> Nerf catnip disc blaster toy. What about X blasters? <laughs> it looks like the, the Rick and Morty <laughs> blaster. I'm to drive and I'm getting my notes. Getting all my notes. Getting my notes. From memory, go. Five, Bye. six, seven, eight. <laughs> <laughs> Turn them on my nubs. I definitely want, like, a coffee tattoo with you guys. Yeah, that'd yeah. be so fun. Yeah, I figured, like, coffee with a knife in it. My name is Brennan, and I'm here to say that I'm gonna talk about true crime today. Everybody knows that I love to nerd. Everybody knows that I'm a girl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I'm a little guy that loves to cry because I got emotions <laughs> inside. <laughs> I'm a little guy that Who loves, loves to, to cry. cry. <laughs> I'm a real fly bye. Aw. Guy. That's <laughs> <laughs> my sound check. Why? <laughs> I love when Trixie and Kati do that. <laughs> <laughs> Honey. Amanda! 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 Nico. Oh, Nico. 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 Nico.
Momu. Welcome to Momu. Not to be confused with the Moma, although we are pieces of art. Moma. Moma. Moma with the vulva. The hostess with the mostest <laughs> and the moma with the vulva. It's Marley's murder. <laughs> it's Marley's murder. Alright. Feel far away. I feel like we need you. Yeah. yeah. Move. Cool in our lives. Move your body. I am moving my body. <laughs> Move that. It's just too far away. Move that. Okay. I moved on. Sorry, There's no vibratos. Bring I back know. my girls. Bring back my girls. Bring, bring back, back my girls. Uh, bring back, back my girls. girls. Bring back my girls. Mm-hmm. Bring okay. back my all right. Mm-hmm. Girls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who needs to clap? Who needs to? Who needs yeah. the clap? No one. No one needs it. No one needs, <laughs> it. No one needs it. I think it's a necessity. Okay. Oh God. Um. You ready? Actually, I have to pee. Okay. Go <laughs> pee. <laughs> so I pee. I literally was. I like, see you shiver with anticipation. Picture on the Instagram. <laughs> Look out for spider lamp <laughs> on our Instagram, guys. Leave a comment below if you think it's a spider. If you're still listening to this 40 <laughs> minutes of bloopers. Is the spider golden white or blue and black? Like the dress. Okay. Oh, oh I was like, what? oh, we got the there. Yeah, we got there. I'm just trying to create. <gasps> a scandal. Okay, ready? Scandal. Yes. Ready? And murder. And murder. 